0: Welcome to the latest edition of At The Flicks, your one-stop shop for movie news,
1: interviews and reviews. We're back with a new review show, finally, films
2: that are worth reviewing have returned. This high quality batch of movies include the Banshees of Inisherin, The Woman King and the one I was waiting for, Halloween Ends, no, you're right.
3: I would have paid to see you in that screening.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't want to have been the usher having to clean the seat afterwards, though, Phil.
4: (laughs) Thanks. So as we try to block that image out of our heads forever, let's return to the script. (laughs) We also have a new feature this month, Kelly's Horror News Corner. A great feature, as long as I don't have to watch
1: any of Kelly's recommendations, otherwise there could be another Neil-like seat
4: accident.
0: Greetings
2: and salutations, I'm Jeff, the quiet one. Hi, I'm Graham. Hi, my name is Neil.
3: Hi, I'm Phil, and you can find my reviews on Phil the Bear blog.
4: Hi, I'm Darren, and other than at the flicks, you can follow me on Twitter at Dazza Loves Movie, and you can read my blogs at halfguarded.com.
2: It's been months since our last normal review programme. That's true, we've had at least three UK Prime Ministers since then, it could be four by the time the show comes out.
1: Time seems to fly when you measure it like that. And I guess because of her short stay at Prime Minister, your love and kisses signed photo of Liz Truss could actually increase in value, Neil.
2: <laughs> I'm not stopping there. I tend to get the set. I have Johnson lined up at the next Lebedev party, and Cameron's at the Brexit reunion Christmas bash.
3: I'd like to point out that my MP, Cruella Suellen, is that right? Suelen they call her that now. I know. On that note, I don't understand. So her name's Suella, but everyone calls her Suellen. What's that about?
0: So she was christened Suellen because her parents are fans of Dallas. This is actually true. (laughs) And she renamed herself Suella.
3: Anyway, I have the unfortunate pleasure of her being my local MP. And uh, I think she might be a possible PM. Is she on your list?
1: (sighs) Yeah. Already I plan- love that they call her Cruella Blabbermouth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <On>, uh, <laughs>
2: well, they were Twitter. waiting for the autumn statement, weren't they? Yeah. And, he, and someone someone on Twitter said, oh, we are just I wait for Cruella Braverman to, to email it to us. To everybody. Yeah. Already planned to have that fox. That's horrible. Cunningly, I've booked my place on a Folkestone boat trip. Before you know it, I'll be in a migrant centre when she next visits. I'll be watching the skies and listening for Rider the Valkyries. <laughs> God, I can't believe she did that.
4: You know something, Jeff? I'm going to buy you for Christmas either the Priority Annual or a Spickniridge box set. Because if you're going to keep writing this political crap, <laughs> you could at least try and make it a little bit funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey. I'm trying, Darren.
0: Very, very. Yeah, very, very. trying.
1: <laughs> anyway, let's move on to our new feature. If you listened to our Halloween show this year, if not, why not? Then you would have heard from our At The Flicks horror queen, Kelly. We received a lot of great feedback about her contributions. So Kelly is going to be joining us occasionally with a horror news column. Without further ado, let's go over to Jeff to introduce Kelly. Hi, Kelly. How are you?
5: Yeah, I'm good, thank you.
1: Listeners, welcome to Kelly's Horror
0: Corner, where our very own Horror Queen will tell you what's going on with the darker side of cinema and TV. So what's the first item in the horror bag this month?
5: OK, so we have Scream 6 coming up, but we're not sure about what the title is yet. We don't know if it's going to be called Scream 6 or Scream 2 or Scream X... Explanation point, explanation point. That's a rumour that's going around, which I think is pretty ridiculous. But you never know. So it will technically be the sixth film. Scream 5 was just called Scream 2022. So we don't know if it's going to be called Scream 2023. As we're all aware, Nev Campbell won't be coming back. So it's not going to be set around... Sydney Prescott anymore it won't be set in Woodsboro and it's not going to be all around her mother Maureen Prescott we're actually moving to (laughs) New York specifically Manhattan so it gives the vibe of Friday the 13th Jason takes Manhattan so are we going to have Ghostface takes Manhattan or maybe after that Uber Ghostface or Ghostface X (laughs) But I have a theory that there's going to be a story where Gail Weathers, Courtney Cox is still in it. In the fifth film, Gail Weathers was based in New York where she was doing a morning show. And this film is going to be taking place there as well. So I have a theory that the kids from the fifth film are going to be going to like college in New York and the sister of. One of them is going to be keeping an eye on her. There are leaked pictures where there are pumpkins on the set. So we're thinking it's going to be a Halloween setting. And all I'm really hoping for is a Gail Weathers phone call from Ghostface. Because she's never had one before. And I think she could be really sassy on the phone with him. She was meant to have one in Scream 2. But unfortunately, Randy Meeks picked up the phone and... We all know what happened with that situation. And a lot of people, including me, are hoping for a subway chase scene because we haven't had a long chase sequence in a long time. There was a change of release date. So it was meant to come out on the 31st of March next year, but they've changed it to three weeks earlier, which will be the 10th of March. We haven't had an official poster or anything yet. There have been some really awesome fan-made ones. I think a teaser will be coming out soon. Probably an official trailer in December. It's all very under wraps. So there hasn't really been any spoilers yet. Hopefully it stays that way.
0: What's next in the horror bag?
5: Sort of come out of nowhere. A trailer was released the other week for a film called Megan. Well, maybe Megan. The E! is a three instead of an E. And I can only assume it, it means that because Megan or Megan is classified as a model three generative Android. So you can sort of see where that is going, I think. It will be released on the 30th of January, 2023. It's about a little girl that loses her parents and she goes to live with her aunt who is a scientist of some kind and this little girl doesn't really have any friends so she creates this ai doll thing it's kind of like chucky it looks very very human like uncanny valley and she is meant to be a friend to this little girl. You know, things like that always go wrong when something is introduced to a family and meant to be friendly. So in the trailer, everything goes a bit tits up. There's a specific bit in the trailer where she does this weird TikTok dance, which is very strange for an AI thing to do. and. Then there's like knives involved and things like that. And I'm assuming that this doll thing is very protective over this little girl. And if anyone does wrong by her, they're going to get it. I think it's going to be quite gory. It's a Blumhouse production. Jason Blum and James Wan are the producers I was quite concerned when I saw the release date for January because January and February are sort of classed as the dump months where films are not really received well. They come out early in the year and then all the like blockbusters and things come out in the summer. So we'll see. But there were already like a lot of memes and things like that that came straight after the trailer so a lot of people are already fans of megan so we'll see how that goes
0: brilliant do you think if this is a success we could see a um, megan chucky spin-off? oh god god
5: i think megan would kick his ass she's like a lot taller than him and he like moves like quite slow she's pretty much like a human but she There is an actress, like, they've based her face on an actress, but she's creepy. It
1: does look very creepy. Graham, have
5: you seen the trailer?
1: I'm just looking at the, um, the picture at the minute, yeah. It's just like, no, no, that's wrong.
0: I will definitely be there in January for that. Okay, I hear we have a classic for our third one.
5: Okay, so for the last bit, we have a little film called Terrifier, too. So, Terrifier 2 has made quite the impact recently. There was obviously the first film, but the specific villain involved. He was also involved in a film from quite a while away called The Red Circle. And then he was in an anthology film called All Hallows' Eve. And then all of a sudden, I think in about 2016, he got his own film called Terrifier. And instantly he became like a sort of very underrated, but highly rated to horror fans icon. The film is very low budget, but it's very well known for a specific scene where somebody gets killed in a very horrible way. And people didn't think that the sequel could top that. I've seen that specific scene. I haven't seen the film yet. this scene was leaked and curiosity got me and I watched it. (laughs) At first I thought, it's very, very over the top. It's just stupid slapstick gore. But then something else happened and I was just like why was there a need for that (laughs) it's just rubbing salt in the wound it's a very popular film at the moment so the budget of the film 250k dollars to make and it's just hit 10 million in profit so that's pretty incredible for a film that is not very well known it was actually meant to be shown in a handful of theaters for like one weekend, but then it got extended to 1,500 over the Halloween weekend, and it's very, very popular at the moment. The funniest thing about it is that it was actually submitted to the Academy, the Oscars Academy, and they are notorious for not liking horror films. They absolutely shun the horror genre. I can only remember the Silence of the Lambs getting the Best Picture Oscar. So people thought that they would submit it for a laugh, and it's actually gone through. So <laughs> the nominations will be announced on the 24th of January, 2023. So we'll see if Art the Clown <laughs> gets gets a... A little recognition, but I very doubt it because it's very extreme.
0: Is there any (laughs) word on a Terrifier 3?
5: Yeah, I do know that there is a plan for a trilogy. Because some things were very unexplained in the second film, even though it's like two and a half hours long. I don't know how that happened, but I shall see at some point. If you do want to watch it and you're lucky enough, there is a platform called Screenbox. I have no idea what that is. You will be able to see the Blu-ray, and I'm hoping I get mine soon. That's it.
0: Thank you, Kelly. And we'll speak to you later in the show. And, of course, in our next review edition. Thank you very much
3: thank you for having me okay so back to the show and on with the reviews which are this month black adam the banshees of Inishiran, the woman king and halloween ends
1: to annoy jeff let's start with a superhero film black adam my son sacrificed his life to save me Ah! these powers are not a gift but a
0: curse He's been asleep for 5,000
1: years.
5: you find us a cell that can hold him, we'll take care of the rest. We're here to negotiate your peaceful surrender.
2: I'm not
1: peaceful.
0: Nor do I surrender. Here we go. Dwayne Johnson joins the DC Universe. God, I wrote that as well. Uh, <laughs> superhero Black Adam, or as he's referred to here, Teth Adam. He was given his godlike powers 2,600 years ago. Remember that, Graham? On uh, a Tuesday, in, yeah, yeah. In the oppressed land of Kandak, and used them to bring down the reign of an evil tyrant. Cut to the modern day, and Adam is awakened from a centuries-long slumber. He soon finds out that once again, Kandak is ruled by tyrants. He starts a brutal and bloody path to in his land. In fact, he's so brutal, the Justice Society send a team of superheroes to the obscure location to try and stop him. But are these superheroes powerful enough to stop someone who's essentially a god? Phil, with Black Adam, have DC once again bested Marvel to come up <laughs> with the best superhero movie of the year?
3: Uh, no. (laughs) Honestly, I found this film really bizarre. So the opening that you talked about, the 2,600 years ago, the entire start is just a massive exposition-filled voiceover. It gives you loads and loads of information, and it's really surreal at how, like, serious it is. And you get lots and lots of stuff. And then they introduce the Justice Society, which have four different characters, and they do that in about two minutes flat. And it's kind of a bit off balance and you've got all these main characters that you know lots about or nothing about. And then there's the anti-hero who kills people, but they try to maintain the light family friendly tone because it's humorous, right? And then also the... The whole time they're trying to pretend that he's an anti-hero and he's horrible, but actually he's just got a couple of anger management issues that seem quite (laughs) well-founded when they explain what they are. It just bounces between dumb fun and dumb dross. I almost couldn't settle as to which it was. So Black Adam himself, I thought, was the least interesting character. He's completely one note. But that's only if you... Just talk about the superheroes. If you include the normal characters, then you know they're barely first draft sketches. So the the mother and the do- and the mother and the son who are kind of the Black Adam's not really that horrible after all because he's going to protect this mother and the son. they're just kind of ciphers and not interesting. But Black Adam, and and Dwayne Johnson is charismatic normally, or at least yeah, you know, in quite a lot of his action flicks, I think he's charismatic. Here he's very moody and dark and rawr, and it's it, it does nothing honestly because uh, he's normally quite smirky and fun and tongue-in-cheek and it's it doesn't work I, oh, I didn't think it did and I I think I would have preferred the Justice Society film I really liked those characters even though maybe because they d- didn't like tell us much about them so there was Atom Smasher and Cyclone who I thought, you know, they're the two young kids. They've got a bit of chemistry with each other and it's fun to watch them learn to be superheroes. They're just kind of trying to work it out. And Atom Smasher especially keeps making mistakes, which I thought was quite funny mm-hmm. on the on the sort of comedy sc- side of the scale. And, you know, five seconds later, Black Adam might throw someone into the, the sea. Hawkman, I thought was probably less interesting. He's like the surly leader. Just think, Batman, really. But again, I thought the actor did a decent job of that. But and I'm, I hope you're all probably going to agree with me. This the entirely the best thing about the entire film is Pierce Brosnan's Doctor oh. Fate. Yeah. He made the whole thing worthwhile. Without him, I do not think I could have got through it. Frankly, it was it was less than exciting. But Brosnan was really good. He was dry, witty. You got the sense that, you know, he he had a history and, you know, there was a lot of backstory there. Overall, in answer to your question, even in what has, I think, been a fairly average year for superhero movies, this still isn't close to being the best one this year.
0: I'm interested. You put down Dwayne Johnson because he tried acting in this. is he is
3: that what is that why it was so bad
1: I I had a real problem because I mean I was trying to compare him with his character in Hobbs and Shaw which is really really good and snarky and and fun and threatening I thought he could have just revived that character and played it like that it would have been much better
3: so I want to be clear I'm actually a bit I'm a bit of a fan of Dwayne Johnson you know I liked Jungle Cruise if you remember Mm -hmm. um I think that ordinarily, he's quite charismatic in an action hero role and, and a good for a summer film. But here, he has tried to do something different and we shouldn't berate him for that. That's, I guess, a good thing. I just think that he's quite one note and just just a surly guy who uh, has a bit of anger management issues, as I said. Mm.
1: <laughs> okay, Graham, do you agree with Phil? Yeah, pretty much. I think they were going for hardcore Shazam, but it ended up being a completely average superhero movie. The Rock, I liked The Rock, but I think he's one of his worst performances, and I, I'm a big fan as well. And I thought Pierce Brosnan stole the show from underneath him. The rest of the crew just drove me around. But then <laughs> I just, oh God, they were so. Oh, just average, average, average. And that's the problem. I mean, there was excellent uh, uh, production design and, and the cinematography and all of that. But the editing, the sound design, the music, meh, the acting oh, of everybody yeah, else was terrible.
0: Music, At least the music had a
3: theme. <laughs> <laughs> I did have uh, Smashing Pumpkins' uh, Bullet of the Butterfly Wings at the yes. beginning, yeah. which... Was you know, they're never gonna get as high as that level, were they, if the rest yeah, of the film?
1: But yeah, and the direction was by the number. So I just thought it was very, very average. I like, I can't raise the enthusiasm to say anything more about it. It's it was dull.
0: Okay. Um you're a Marvel fan, aren't you? No, <laughs>
1: I like comic book movies, but <laughs> Thank you, Darren. Thank uh... you, Darren. Yes, voices (laughs) off, slagging you off, Jeff. True, yeah. I agree with Darren. There you go. So you started agreeing with Phil and you've ended agreeing with Darren. Exactly, yeah. Because he's slagging you off, Jeff. I
2: think he's (laughs) the common enemy. It's like the Nick Clegg of film reviews, isn't it? (laughs) Neil. God. Do you know what? I quite enjoyed this one. Despite as Phil says, I well agree, doing, Neil. well as Phil, done. As Phil says, it really isn't that good. As as uh, as Phil said, F- Piers Brosnan is great fun. Uh, the younger men, members of the Justice, something or other, whatever it was, a fine. Justice the bad aside. guys, a, bad guys, a bad guy, and it all ends up as great fun, glorious mess. The rock, surely the most marketable actor around today. Okay, maybe second to Ryan Reynolds. He's okay. I was left wondering whether he's a good guy, bad guy, or just rock playing a usual character. I laughed at the comments on sarcasm, groaned at the overtop action destroying buildings again with no consequences. It was as if they filmed four or five different versions and then cut them together randomly. But weirdly, I just enjoyed it. I have absolutely no knowledge of Black Adam's story or any of the characters. It was all completely new. Maybe it helped. It was a fun romp through some random history or fictional or pressed country I cared little for with some superheroes I know nothing about, and I'm still a little in the dark about them, and a build-up to a battle that made little sense. And what was that stuff about Shazam? I thought that was another character, another film. Anyway, it was enjoyable. Pierce Brosnan, take a bow. Without him, it wouldn't have been any fun at all.
0: Well, at least it's different. (laughs) Darren, I suspect I know where you're going to come from.
4: So, I mean, I, I actually, admit I was looking forward to this because I thought, you know, a, an anti-hero Superman, I thought this could be really interesting. And to something, all oh, look, this film, it felt with the tone of a, a superhero movie from the 80s that were designed for kids. Also reminded me of a, um, a pilot for a, a new TV show on the Arrowverse where they basically just bombard with all the concepts one after another, because we are trying to cram in, everything in there to get ready for the whole series so you know all the characters are and everything. And the alarm bell started ringing when we had that 10-minute voiceover introduction. But um, I thought, you know, if we carry on like this, we might as well like, just finish up in half an hour, because we can just tell us the entire story. <laughs> and then we, just, <laughs> we can just all go on. My main problem with this film is it was too fast-paced and, and not in a good way it was you never got a chance to savour of anything so for example when black adam appeared you never got like any chance to sort of savour who he was or what his powers were he automatically immediately started just smashing people like you know super fast and, and that sort of <laughs> that sort of thing it was just you know and when we got to be the justice society and that really rushed introduction i mean viola davis was absolutely just phoning it in on a, you know, she, I think she recorded her performance on Zoom. <laughs> you know, and it's obvious she wasn't actually talking to anybody or reacting. Mm. She was just, just saying the one-sentence introduction for each character. And the Justice Society, it's like, it's like that whirlwind lady. She had these powers of a whirlwind, and yet the first time that she used that power, you should have had like about, like, you know, a, a 10, 15-second segment of her summoning the power so you, so you could savour it and sort of, like, you know, get a sense of who she was. And you didn't. She just sort of, like, was, like, over in a second. Everything was just way, way too Fast. It's, it's like when Black Adam meets that kid and they have like this, like sort of like, you know, 10 second conversation. And then also, like, you know, the kid gives him his motivation by telling him, you can be our hero and everything. It's it's just every, you'll know, you compare that to Shazam, where there's like, you know, a, a sort of a build between the characters, sort mm. of, like, you know, there's some growth there. When it got to the ending, I mean, I thought the film was was wrapping up when we were taking um, Black Adam to that um, that prison. I thought, well, this is it; we're sort of wrapping everything up. And then it carried on, and this so so we had this villain who had basically not made a mark at all in the film, suddenly um, being transported to this realm with these random characters that we never heard of for the rest of the film, who then gave him superpowers so he could just basically just smash stuff up. Again, it was just all sort of rushed and and out of nowhere. There was no chance to to care about anything. It, it it was just sort of so fast, and like I said, it felt like it was something that was designed to go for for, for little kids. Really agree with Phil as well that the uh, you know the Rock throughout this, it was just a, a one no character. I, I have the, this rumor that apparently the um that the Rock has it in a contract of any film that he's in that he cannot lose a fight. You know, which it really hampers you as Good. a as a in, in story wise, because at some point a hero has to take a fall so he can make the comeback later. But if that's the case, you know we're going to have real problems coming up. But the one thing I will say about this film is I I was intrigued afterwards to see more of the character. So for example, I wanted to see a Black Adam versus Superman fight. I I wanted to see you know Black Adam interact with Shazam. But here's the problem. I wanted to see Black Adam in appear in a smaller role in other people's movies. I didn't want to see anything related solely around Black Adam. I have absolutely no interest in sort of you know this character having his own film again. I agree with everybody else. Okay. Piers Brosnan was the best in the film.
0: I will give you that Black Adam does have a few flaws. <laughs> the start, have... the middle,
2: and the end.
1: Oh,
0: thanks, <laughs> yeah. Jeff. That's
2: oh, such a great. But it's though. fun.
0: You know? It was, yeah. Yeah. And it does get off to a shaky start. I think the first half, the first act, sorry, it's tonally all over the place, Contrast in the visual styles, an extensive voiceover, which you've all mentioned, and strange jump cuts from its 5,000 BC opening to modern day sequences. But after that, it does settle down, both in terms of story and visually. And I think the humour comes in. I thought, You've all knocked Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, I'd like to see you do it to his face, but um, but I thought his deadpan interplay between him and Pierce Brosnan is worth the entry price alone. I mean, I was laughing at most of the stuff they were saying. And yes, I accept even allowing for that, it does have the feel of a committee look to it. I mean, at least with Marvel, you've got Feige who controls what goes on there. So you've got that vision but Warners still have yet to get this right with the DC stuff. So, you know, we've lost, if you look at the trailer, there's stuff in there that was taken out. There's all that internet chatter about the violence, to cut down. Uh, you know, I'd love to see the more violent version. Release the Colette Sarah cut now. <laughs> uh, talking of Colette Sarah, I mean, there's more than a touch of the Zack Snyder's approach to comic book. Movie making here, so I think it had a consistency with Snyder's approach to the DC universe. Perhaps you know, bring back that film where he wants to kill off Batman, but bring it back with laughs.
1: Oh yeah, that's I, gonna work.
3: Do you and know I, the, the bit that I laughed at the most in in Black Adam? I'm sorry to cut you off, but. Again, slightly spoiled about the end when the little boy has to go and get like random people and go, let's rise up against <laughs> the zombies or whatever. I can't remember what it was, but there was a bit where he's like trying to convince them, and I absolutely burst out laughing. Like in the cinema, it is almost embarrassing because I quickly yeah. looked around to see how many people were around me. But that was the funniest bit I thought.
2: Yes, yeah, okay, yeah. No, and, was- and
0: you've all missed the depth of this film because it goes. Knows- <laughs> It goes beyond it, it, superheroes. Now, there's two themes it, it, in this film worth yes, highlighting.
2: Jeff, it did plum deaths. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and that from Neil getting a cheap laugh after he said he enjoyed it. I uh, didn't enjoy it. It's weirdly fun. Don't,
5: a good don't your
1: plums online. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the parallel
0: that superheroes, you know, like almost like super states, like America, they ignore small countries fighting. Even if genocide is involved, look at Somalia and Yemen today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the populace see Black Adam as a hero, but the Justice League or whatever they are in this, they see him as a threat. You know, one man's hero is another man's terrorist. And I thought that picks up on such films as The Excellent Three Kings, which I would hold this up to, to the same level as, <laughs> you know. I think it's just great. These are surprising themes for a blockbuster. So if you're listening to this, if you're still with us, ignore everybody else just listen to me and go see it great
1: <laughs> it's all about me oh
2: me me, <laughs> me 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 are you done that was Black Adam the first superhero movie we have had in a couple of months that long you have heard our views what are yours please let us know meanwhile we will go to something a little more highbrow the acclaimed movie from Martin McDonough called The Banshees of Inner Sheeran.
0: if I've done something to you
2: just tell me what I've done to you I just don't like you no more.
1: Have you been rowing?
0: Have you been rowing? Have we been rowing?
2: Well, you yeah, are rowing. It does look like we're rowing.
0: You can't just stop being friends with a fella.
2: He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always
1: been dull. Maybe this whole thing has just been about getting you to stand up for yourself.
0: How oh, are you, fatty? Dancing with your dog, is it? What did you come here for? I just came to kick your door in and give you a slagging. Ireland,
2: 1923, or to be more precise, the small island of Inner Sheeran, just off the southern mainland. Despite the raging Irish Civil War, the daily routine of life continues as normal in this small farming community. That is, until the day Colm Doherty, played by Brendan Gleeson, decides he no longer wants to have anything to do with his former best friend and drinking partner, Porrick Colin Farrell. This seemingly small change starts a chain of events which will end in self-mutilation, animosity and death. As this is Irish and set during Graham's early years, I turn to him to ask if the film is true to life as he remembers from way back then.
1: God, I'm older than Black Adam in in Jeff's mind. That's the... Well, I loved this film. I left the cinema thinking... What the hell was that? Uh, Well, I'll tell you, that was the most disturbing, weird, wonderful thing I have seen in the cinema since Anthony Hopkins brought me to tears in The Father last Mm. year. What is it about old men losing their sense of reality that really appeals to this old man? Maybe this (laughs) explains my friendship with Jeff. Jeff, are you going to cut off one of your fingers every time you have to watch a uh, Marvel movie well, I'll
0: tell you what Graham, every time I see a Marvel movie now, I'll cut off one of Neil's fingers <laughs> but, I'll, but, I'll, but I'll only do it on his left hand so he's still got his right hand for wherever he needs it for.
2: <laughs> I'm left handed you bastard <laughs> <laughs>
1: i just thought it was fantastic i mean it starts on craggy island with father ted you know brendan gleason and father dougal colin farrell enjoying the life and then the weird shit starts happening the pacing is so well done i could talk about it for hours about the slowly mounting dread as reality becomes more and more warped and distorted i just thought it was such a great story and such interesting characters the production design was masterful. The pub, the two principal characters' cottages, sparse but functional. The use of color, uh, well, in fact, the whole cinematography was just off the chart. You could almost feel the sea air on your face with the muted colors and the lack, the lack of depth in the long shots. And the inside of the cottages, wow, it was just great. Everything about it was great. The editing, okay, the editing was done to the beat of a metronome, so precise, not a moment wasted. 114 minutes just flew by and the music was just fantastic i mean not very well can't go wrong oh, with yeah. a uh, no it's stunning just simply stunning yeah everybody was just great everybody was just great colin farrell was wonderful um as this sort of Nice guy. He really was a nice guy. Brendan Gleeson starts off, you think, oh, okay, he's a bit local, intellectual guy. But then again, you start to see cracks in that. Barry Keoghan as uh, Dominic, the abused son of the policeman. Wonderful. The sister, Kerry Condon, just, yeah... the look in her eyes as she looked at these two idiots and <laughs> it was just masterful stuff and I did like the witch uh, she, oh, yeah. she yeah. was as creepy as hell the masterful direction, the use of roads people walking towards one another and away from one, one another was just perfect, every single character clearly defined as they get swept up in the maelstrom it is, oh what a film what a, I'm I I'm, I'm, came home and I said to my wife, we've got to watch this when it comes out on streaming. Mm. This is great stuff. So, yeah, I didn't enjoy it at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can tell it brought back a lot of
4: memories to you.
1: If I'd have lived on that island, I'd have been on the first boat off it. God, yeah. wow. Yeah. What a weird absolutely.
4: place. I was absolutely invested in this film right from the very start, right, right from the opening. And just over the most mundane Thing because it was just this mystery that they basically just started of of, of why Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson were, as, as everyone kept saying, rowing and trying to find that out and I was just hooked right from the start it, I just thought it was absolutely in, incredible. I, I can't think of a, a better dialogue wise written film than this all year because every, every conversation was telling you something about the characters or the way of life in this in this village and really entertainingly as well you know it was fabulous you these characters were like living breathing like you know well-rounded characters but they're all very simple as as well so for example when Dominic is first introduced he's warned about being in in the bar and he's got to leave the ladies alone and stuff like this just that little thing that told you everything you knew about Dominic that he was basically a clueless horny youth when you meet the policeman, you realize that he's a, he's a, you know, he's a bit of a bully and stuff. like mean, that.
0: that introduction of the policeman has got to be one of the great cinema introductions of the year. Indeed, yes,
2: indeed.
1: <laughs> Drunk on illegal whiskey, and he's a policeman. Yes, we don't need to go into any details about what he'd been doing.
4: You, you are really invested in this. Um, you know, in in this sort of this small field and stuff, and your and your sympathies throughout were changing. No, no, no one, no one was one hundred percent in the right, and no one was one hundred percent wrong in this, like you. Because when it came to Padrick you were thinking, you know, why why can't he just take a hint and, and move? On and respect <laughs> that this friendship was over, but then again, at the same time, he was. You, you look at the village where we've got only one place for people to meet. It's not as if they can stay out of each other's way. So he goes to like the, the one pub that we have, and he sees him having a good time. So obviously, he's going to be hurt and, and stuff like this. And then we we've him, You think, well, why can't you just be just you know give a little bit of your time? Why do you have to cut him out completely? Can't you just be a sort of it'll be a bit nicer about. This, but at the same time, you think, you know, well, obviously he he has his own ambitions in life. That he feels he's been held back. You, you you know, you could see all sides of it of this um this argument, and just basically stubbornness and pride that everybody had meant things escalated into. At, at first, it was almost comical and, and funny, but as it got it went on, it got darker and more horrific. The the things that they were doing to each other, destroying their own wives as as well. I actually found it really heartbreaking because I actually got to really Mm. like these characters for for the most part, obviously not the policemen, but most of them, I got to like them and I wanted them to work this out, but you knew that that was never going to happen. And the way the film ends, you get the feeling that there's actually, there's even worse to come, but you know, they've not Mm. brought any common ground. You feel that things are just going to get worse and worse as as time goes on. Definitely one of my favourite films of the year, Lots of things to think about. About it's so, so much sort of about life within this small confines of this village. The actual, the monotony of of everyday life and feeling trapped and feeling that time's running out, and also feeling that you've got to do something with your life, even if it's just something small, like just leaving your mark so people remember you. Yeah, I, I just thought this was just a, a, a fabulous, really simple movie, but just sort of afterwards, I was just like blown away by it. Absolutely loved it.
0: Certainly, is a powerful film, and and yet for me, there came a point where I didn't want to watch it anymore. And it's not a reflection on the film itself. It is absorbing and it's thoughtful. And I think Darren summed up a lot of uh, my thoughts on this film. It's just this transition where it went from Father Ted to Saw, and <laughs> it was it became a painful and disturbing experience. And I just found. There there was a moment where it was difficult to watch. I did continue watching. I have no time for critics that walk out of films. And I'm glad I did stay, because you know, when you get to the end and you understand what's been going on and why, and as as Darren said, that it's it's still gonna escalate further, you get this sense of a time and place. And I shouldn't have been surprised, I should have seen that coming because I know McDonough's work. And you always expect the unexpected, and you never expect to leave a cinema happy after one of his films. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I think his characters were so strong. The dialogue you've all spoken about as well is just tremendous. I mean, Farrell and Gleason are great. But for me, Kerry Condon stole the show. She was a standout performance. And in essence, her character of Siobhan is the guide. Through her, you understand what McDonough is saying. This to me, is a film primarily about isolation and how you deal with it. And here, the isolation and loneliness of the island infects all the players in different ways. You know, to go back to Siobhan, she's well-read. She understands this closed-off world is no good for anybody and would destroy her if she didn't get out. Then there's the characters like Colum and Dominic who had an understanding that something was wrong but couldn't face the truth and rebelled against it in very self-destructive ways. And then there's the characters like Padrick, Colin Farrell and Peter, the policeman, who cocooned themselves in the strange environment, and I think ultimately become the most destructive characters of all. So it's a difficult film and it works on many levels, and it is a great film. I just didn't find it quite as satisfying as Three Billboards or In Bruges. But that said, well worth tracking down. Stick with it, don't be like me and feel like walking out. And just watch for this one at awards time. I think this is going to be well up there.
2: Neil. Another classic from Martin Madonna after Imbrugion, three billboards to name but two. Uh, well, set in Ireland, this could be anywhere. Insular island slash village life, where people don't move around a lot, or any club I've been a member of, people wind each other up, and the film does highlight this brilliantly. I found I think myself that's thinking, "That's more you than the other club members." No, there. I don't. Think so. As I read it, I read it, I thought, "No, that's nothing to do with me." It's every club. Uh, I found myself thinking of several generations in the future. Why do we hate them, Grandma? Well, your great 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 grandfather wanted to write a song, and his friend wouldn't let him sorry, how did that start? It just, it spreads so quick. And, it, and the film shines a bright light on an insular community's life and just rips it to bits. Uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell are, of course, excellent. The heart of the story for me, I think as Graham said, it was, came from Kerry Condon and Barry Keegan. Condon has the best line in the film and she finally speaks her mind. You're both boring. And the look on Brendan Gleeson's face is fantastic. The suspicion of her as well, the fact that she reads books is priceless. At the other end of the spectrum, Keegan, as wonderful as the village idiot slash abused child, well, he he gets some great comedic moments. He also gets some of the most poignant moments of the film. McDonough misses the humour and the stupidity with some very sharp observations. It's a classic. It's really that good. Fantastic. Going back to what you're saying about Condon, uh, there's that moment
0: when she confronts Gleason in the pub, who talks about Mozart. Yes, and oh. and he gets all his
2: facts wrong, and she just yes. corrects him. You know, yeah. and so just, so just, this, yeah, yeah, he cuts right through him, doesn't it? It's like yeah. oh, yeah, he's trying to be clever, but he's as thick as Porrick, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he just can't talk about donkey shit as much. That's <laughs> <the important.
1: laughs> I wanted to hear that conversation. Too, too, <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: touche. Yeah. To what? <laughs> Phil.
3: I loved this film as well. And I'm really surprised. I, I expected coming last but I'd be reiterating sort of one facet of it that I really liked and that I expected you all to say it, but none of you have. So so I loved it because I thought this was a fable or an allegory about the Irish Civil War. So that's happening across the water and you can see it. Apparently Initiarin means the island of Ireland. So it's basically saying this is a microcosm of Ireland. This is a microcosm of the Civil War and what happened. It's about the arguments between men and how people who were once friends are now at war. It's inevitable. It's impossible. No one really knows why it started. And that doesn't really matter either because once those wounds are opened, they're not going to heal. So I was looking at all of that stuff. I thought it was wonderful. The script was sharp. It was insightful. It's hilarious. It's sad. Everyone said Kerry Condon and I think you could argue for any of them as being mm. the best in there, but I thought Colin Farrell was absolutely superb. I think he take the acting honours just from the others and a couple of you mentioned that I would not be surprised to see this get anywhere from five to ten Oscar nominations and you could probably put all of them into an acting Oscar nom. Uh, and I would really think Farrell was in good stead to win. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really good.
0: Do you think Neil Jordan's film, Michael Collins, would make a good companion piece to this because it explains that similar yeah. organ on yeah. the mainland?
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. It's They're quite... They're quite different, aren't they? But, yeah, one would sort of explain the other. But I just, I really liked that idea that, you know, so I, when I went into the film, I had no idea that it was a fable or allegory for the Civil War. And as soon as they, you saw the, the, the musket shots or whatever it was, the, the gunpowder and what have you, and they referenced it, I immediately, my brain just started working overdrive as to, like, sort of join those dots and work it through. And it was kind of... It's one of those things where, on one level, it's just a hilarious, really witty, insightful comedy about friends that aren't friends anymore. And on another level, it's got this really deep, insightful kind of treatise on how ructions appear. And over time, you never actually understand why they started in the first place, but mm-hmm. they're impossible to fix.
2: Yeah, there is the
1: great line in it where he says, "Well, the, the IRA are hanging the free staters, or maybe it's the other way
3: round." <laughs> the
2: way round, they didn't know which. Well, uh, but he didn't yeah. care; he was going to <laughs> hang hanging, yeah. and that
1: was the best thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh,
2: I'd like to go see hanging.
3: Because yeah. I saw, and I don't know if this is a, a stretch, but I saw Condon uh, the sisters leaving for the mainland as, as like the people who escaped Ireland to to the to England. You know, so you know those and those America family members that like- they lost. Mm. Who just kind of wanted to escape the infighting. Yeah. And that's how I saw that as kind of like a, a kind of juxtaposition of that.
0: So I think we're all agreed that The Banshees of Inishiran is a powerful film which will get recognition this award season. If you haven't seen it yet, I'd really urge you to check it out. It also has the best donkey death of the scene of the year. <laughs> um
1: don't tell them that. That's there's not a shred, a shred of human decency in you, is there? Death for gods. Two more reviews coming
0: up. Halloween ends, and firstly, the woman king.
4: An evil is coming.
2: That threatens our kingdom. Our freedom. But we
0: have a weapon.
4: They are not prepared for. My king, the
1: Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop until the whole of Africa is theirs. We must fight
4: back for our people. Is you are asking me to take them to war. war.
1: Some things are worth fighting for.
2: Very loosely based on a true story, until the end of the 19th century, the African kingdom of Dahomey was one of the most powerful regions on the continent. It also had one of the most feared fighting forces, the all-female warriors called the Agoji. At that time, the main rivals to the Dahomeans were the Oyo Empire, with whom they had an uneasy alliance. This changed in 1823 when the Oyo rulers formed a new partnership with slavers from Spain and Portugal. Forced to act, the Dahomean king Gizo, played by John Boyega, boosted his Agoji forces. The new recruits soon learn how tough and unforgiving their new life is as they prepare for war. Jeff, I'm sure you found a female fighting group a far-fetched idea. Did this impact on your enjoyment of the movie? A little, Neil, a little. As an historical epic, though, the
0: Woman Kings up there were brave Now, calm down, Graham. I know you're going to get excited at that.
1: <laughs> oh, God.
2: Just Like the
0: earlier Oscar-winning film, this has plenty of spectacle and excitement. And also, like the earlier film, a lot of this is historical nonsense. If you were to make a true story about the Goji and the kingdom of Dahomey, they would actually be the villains of the stories, and why certain actors turned down making this film, because they'd actually read up on what this fighting force was really like. It's best to look at The Woman King as one of those old-fashioned Sunday afternoon action epics. If you take it with a massive pinch of salt, it's engrossing and very entertaining, with clearly drawn heroes and villains, and soap opera elements. And, in fact, it's the soap opera elements that, for me, work the best. The Mother Daughter story I found quite affecting. Great piece of movie making. And not so much from Donna Stevens' often anemic script, but from the performances, including, unless she obviously was on a screen down it in, Viola <laughs> Davis, and South African actress adam All that said, the acting honors of the movie go to lashania lynch who to make a bad pun and i know i don't do that often is actually the (laughs) linchpin of the performances it's a performance i hope to see oscar nominated at the end of the year for me she carried the film as for the aforementioned spectacle there's no denying this is a wonderful film to look at and the final battle in the small town brought back many pleasant memories of the wind and the lion Although sadly, composer Terence Blanchard is no Jerry Goldsmith, as his music really steps outside of expectations. But all in all, a pleasant time in the cinema with a wonderful old fashioned feel. And it's just like a rewatch of Braveheart. And if that doesn't sell it to Graham, nothing will.
1: <laughs> I really enjoyed the novelty of this movie. I mean, people have com- complained about this movie is not 100% correct historically. Wow, I bet that was old white people, or at least the white people not involved in rewriting their own terrible history of the atrocities on the African continent. How do you I know if it's I, true?
0: I, I, I think you'll find that was a lot of black people actually saying that, which is why they wouldn't appear in the film, Graham. But yeah. carry on. But yeah, who's
1: history written by? Okay, the Agoji or the Dora Malaji. In real life, the film weaves a fascinating story. Well, it was fascinating for me because you don't get to see many stories about the uh, natives of Africa being heroic. Uh, They're usually just cannon fodder. It was a a fascinating story of duty, redemption, personal tragedy against a backdrop of colonial slave trading in Africa. It's not historically accurate, but as I said, who wrote the history? It's got great story elements as well. An orphan searching for a place in the world, a wise teacher guiding their young apprentice, battles against a superior enemy that can only be defeated by cunning, love, loss, redemption. Yeah, it's an excellent film. Uh, the production design, giving the Agoji their own barracks, a very African feel. I just, I was, I was captivated by it. Lots of blistering heat and bright colours give the film a very authentic feel. Yeah, really wonderful action film i was completely hooked never bored at all okay i mean so how many brave art stars have you given that then two is it that...
0: <laughs> <clears throat> i mean one one thing i'll say about this film and you talk about the history i saw it with graham and uh when we come out i was a bit confused because it said you know this takes place in 1823 and i know in 1808 the Americans uh, banned the importing of slaves from Africa at that time. They could only have slaves that were were, were bred on the continent. So I, I was just really confused. And going back and doing some research, that's when I found out the slave trade to South America was as bad as ever at that point and went on till the eighteen fifties, for all of its over the top elements. I did learn a lot of things when I did research after. Would you
1: agree, Graham, or not? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, we were both confused when we saw that date, and we both looked at it and went, hang on a minute. I, yeah. You know, Britain was out of the slave trade, well out of the slave trade by yeah. then. Now, how did this happen? But, yeah, I thought yeah. it was... Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I really thought it was interesting. And I liked the way they were trying to... the Because the slave trade was over, the African nations, rather, were trying to jockey for control of the palm Oil business and those sorts of things, so it was a bit deeper than just a, a, a straight out action movie. Uh, very, very good,
4: Darren. My take on the uh, the history element is is basically this is nothing new. Hollywood does play fast and loose with um, well, all our films around the world play fast and loose with with history. I, I do disagree with his notion that they completely whitewashed, for want of a better word, the whole concept of sort of Africans selling their own people as slaves. Because I think it did actually address that. I mean that is what, you know, what a a great mm. deal of the film is yeah, actually, yeah. you know, the conflict it is based on them, sort of like selling their their prisoners of their of their rivals, I think it did address somewhat that, even if it wasn't, you know, massively uh, accurate. But the point I'm I wanna make in that though is that You've got to look at what the good that a film does, and I've seen some videos on YouTube of them black women walking out of this film absolutely with smiles on their faces, because they saw a cast of of strong black female characters, you know, being absolutely kick-ass and the joy that you that you would see mm. in some of these you know cinema patrons you know that, that's the sort of good that cinema does you know not being historically accurate or anything like that if you're worried about that you know actually do your research and read on it but the sort of a joy that you saw from women walking out the cinemas so you're seeing these you're, you know these powerful sort of kick-ass you know women on screen you know it was wonderful to see and i have to say that I keep hearing all this about it being sort of like a, a, you know, a gladiator or a brave house. You know, to, to me, my, my favourite bit in the movie was like the first half when you went through all the training and these characters, you know, better and this comradeship, this sistership that they had with each other and the, the speeches that, you know, Viola Davis having these sort of like, you know, really proud, galvanizing speeches. I thought were absolutely amazing. That was the stuff uh, that I liked on it. I think for me where it fell short was when it actually got to the big battle, the, the war as it was, because they've been building up this other country as being this massive overpowering threat that was going to invade and that they were totally outmanned and that they had to basically come up with a sort of really cunning plan to, so to, to fight these people. I mean, you had one skirmish, which admittedly was really, really good, but then that one skirmish was done, and that was kind of it. That was the war over. That one. If you look to look at these epics like Gladiator and Brave Val, you get a you know a sense of sort of a one conflict, you know, that goes on many many battles. Whereas this it was just like, oh, we're one victory, that's it. we won the war. And then the actual the final like stage of the film where they go to rescue the comrades, again, it was really really well done. The fights were really good, but the, the whole thing went off so easily and to plan but it sort of to me it didn't really have any drama to it it just felt like really easy and i know it sort of established them as like you know really great warriors that they were able to do that I, I just felt that it was sort of it lacked that really epic feeling it, it just it felt kind of like the victories were just a little too easy to come by but aside from that, I really did enjoy the whole film. I went in there feeling like I was going to get one of these, as, uh, as Jeff calls it, these, these Sunday afternoon epics, and I just felt it. felt it It didn't hit that. Um, I think it was in. I enjoyed it a lot better it being a smaller movie about sort two women. Uh, I just think it it, it it wasn't the epic that I was expecting it to be. Phil,
3: I I want to touch on the history thing first. I think I. Do- it's a controversial sort of thing about is based on a true story and how much liberties they can take and i weirdly have never been really bothered by it because i consume so much film and television that i've always kind of learned that you have to take it with a pinch of salt right because they're doing dramatic effect and it's about what's exciting and all that sort of stuff i've always enjoyed things like here where it kind of prompted me to go oh that's really interesting I'm going to go and read up on it so you said you did that Jeff and you learned some stuff I certainly learned some stuff but I do agree that it's an interesting point because there will be people who watch it and go oh right that's how it happens and I guess you know you can't you can't help that and you just hope that people you know, do kind of you know, go okay it's based on a true story they're going to take dramatic license they want it to be exciting and interesting so i i always think it's one of those points where i can see both sides of that argument for you know how realistic was it based on the history versus how exciting it is the other facet of the film I will be controversial because you all seem to like it is i thought the battle sequences were a bit rubbish i never once had braveheart or um gladiator come into my mind you've all mentioned those films i literally until you've said it i'd never once crossed my mind because i didn't think the battle sequences were particularly epic in any way i think darren's touched on that slightly but maybe he certainly enjoyed them more than me i think Uh, i thought that they were quite choppily edited and I was a bit, it's one of those things where you're like, what's happening? Ooh. And I didn't think the effects were particularly good in and especially in terms of when they had lots and lots of people on screen. And the other thing that I didn't like is I thought that some of the plot lines were really soap operish and stretching plausibility. And all of that might sound like I didn't like the film, but that couldn't be further from the truth. That, that Those were the things I didn't like but actually almost everything else about it I thought was fantastic. I thought that the acting and the relationships between characters was the most interesting thing for me. So Viola Davis' as general had a relationship with Shayla Atten's character, and it was kind of this... Driven general, but actually she kind of had this soft underbelly that was exposed by her friendship with this woman who'd been with her for a long period of time, and their kind of moments together outside of the view of the other soldiers, I thought was really sweet and touching. Versus her kind of hard general leader sort of character outside. I'm gonna not do justice to these names—a terrible middle-aged white man, but. uh, Fuzo Mbede's Nawe and Lashana Lynch's Izogi. So they had the kind of mentor-trainee-type relationship. Uh, I thought that that was really fantastic. Mm. Mbedo or Mbedu? Gives a fantastic breakout performance. She was able to impart this coming of age insecurity. She's a woman looking to find herself. She's looking to be part of something, and you know she goes from uh, a kind of uh, rebellious child to uh, a woman who is fighting force and you know part of this family whilst lynch added a lot of humor and comedy element to that kind of drill sergeant heart of gold kind of character Uh, and and john boyega i thought was really good as well because his king could have been really one note you know that kind of i'm all powerful and it's you know i'm the ruler and what have you but he actually managed to kind of impart some character that he you know that there was good in him and that he was led by honor and the right thing rather than just his I'm you know born as an all-powerful deity and I'm your ruler kind of thing. But, but uh, so, sorry
0: Phil just to cut in on hmm. that it was so different a performance from Boyega I didn't recognize him I didn't right. realize that he was in it until the end credits.
3: Yeah well I mean yeah that, I guess that's a good example what of a the transformation seasons, isn't yeah. it yeah and um, so it's all of that stuff so so for me even though i guess it's like an epic sort of fighting film and it's kind of sold on that actually it was those character moments and those friendships that i felt was the real strength and the stuff that i really enjoyed
1: yeah i couldn't uh, couldn't agree more i thought the the relationships i also like the fact that john boyega was able to see through the court politics because his wife was quite controlling and I thought, oh, hang on a minute, she's got too much power. But he sees right through that and goes straight to the general. It was all that court intrigue stuff. I'd, I'd like to have seen a bit more of that.
2: Yeah,
3: I, f- I thought that was really clever because I just expected i expected it to play out as he would be tricked and fooled. Yes. And when it went the other way, I was like, that is actually really refreshing and yeah. a really nice touch.
1: But like Jeff, I was about 20 minutes in before I went, oh, it's crazy.
0: No, I, I got to the end of the film without realising it was him. That's so good a performance it was. So that was the Woman King. Now, sharp and intelligent listeners, and to be fair, all of you are, may have noticed that Neil hasn't given a review. And the reason for that is we had a conversation before going to see the film, and I explained to Neil what it was about, and he said, "A woman fighting force." There's no way that's just going to be too <laughs> far fetched. I'm not going to see that. So you lying sod. <laughs> So so this film's coming to video on demand shortly. And Neil, I, I hope you've listened I, to what we've had to say.
4: Shut
0: up. <laughs> he thought, he yes, said, I I've
3: already be... seen Black Panther. I don't need to watch.
2: <laughs> I he probably hasn't seen it. that. Not
1: helping Phil. Not <laughs>
2: helping. No, not at all. No, I will be watching it and I apologise. Okay. Missed it. And let's move on to our final review. The one Neil has
0: been waiting for, and he probably <laughs> missed this as well halloween ends
5: it's been four years since michael myers vanished without a trace
4: i was certain that i saw him watching me
5: you pretend like you moved on but you're
4: actually just obsessed with death
5: what are you gonna do when michael comes back for you because he is coming But this time, something
4: feels different. He's more dangerous.
5: But tonight, I will
1: kill
4: him. Come and get me.
1: For once, we have a film title that does accurately reflect the story. Halloween does end. This end of the trilogy is set a few years after the events of Halloween Kills, After that night of bloodshed, Michael Myers has disappeared. The only horrific events that has happened in Haddonfield since then took place a year later. That Halloween witnessed a tragic accident involving young Corey Cunningham, played by Rowan Campbell, while he was babysitting. Since then, nothing but Laurie Strode. Jimmy Lee Curtis is ready and expecting Michael's return. And this Halloween, he does come back, thanks in part to a very changed Corey Cunningham. Darren, this final instalment has not been well-received by fans of the Halloween series. Do you think that's unfair?
4: Well, I'm going to go against the, uh, the grain here, I think, with most critics, and say that I really, really liked this movie. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Wow. The thing about this trilogy, okay, so the first one, Halloween, um, I absolutely loved. Um, Halloween kills... I don't think it was a very worthy sequel. It was very, very laughably silly. But I did get some enjoyment out of it because I just switched my head off and just sort of treated it as a a weird, um, bizarre slasher sequel. I didn't hate it like so many other people did. This one, I absolutely had no idea what to expect or what direction that they were going to it. And I really, really was intrigued a lot of the time. It really played with expectations on what gone on in the past you know because in the first scene you expect that Myers is somehow in that house with um with Corey and the and the little kid and each and what actually transpired was absolutely shocking I was not expecting that and from there I didn't know what direction this film was was going to take what was it you know obviously Corey was set up to be the you know the, the main character throughout but was he going to be the, the the killer? Was he going to take on the 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 Myers mantle? Was Laurie's granddaughter going to actually be a, a a double act with him because she she seemed to be acting really really strange and dark to me the all time. So I thought are they actually going to become like a. Um, like a Bonnie and Clyde type um, sort of a duo. Is it going to be a twist and she's going to end up being the, the Myers? I really didn't know what direction this was was going on. And little things like, you know, like Laurie trying to put a life together completely threw me. But again, it, it, you know, it surprised me it took things in a different direction. I was really intrigued by this. Obviously, this, this film was about, you know, sort of, you know, the, the nature of of evil. And I thought, when I first watched it, I thought, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, hit you over the head really hard with the the evil isn't so it's something that we make as a society about you know because this young like Cory he was being harassed by the bullies, he was being ostracised for something that he that wasn't his fault, that was just an accident, this idea that he was driven to this. But I think there was more going on on there that, you know, the whole element of this thing is that after that one night that Myers was there and, and Myers basically sort of disappears in the in the, in the ether and never to be seen for another five years, the whole town was in trauma. And, and because they didn't have Myers... There, they had to find other ways to express the anger. So even Laurie, for example, was taking the blame for this because she'd somehow had basically sort of driven Myers to to return. And but and she, you know, everyone was saying she kept pushing him, and pushing him, as if she, you know, it was like victim blaming. She was the one to 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 blame for this. I, I kind of got a bit of a um, two, two sort of classic novels. I I got a little bit out of one of them was um, *Lord of the Flies*. Uh, in, in that, there's this um, this, like, this beast that, that, that the kids think that, that there's a beast. It turns out it's just a dead parachutist that they can they can see the, the parachute in, in the distance. And then when the kids sort of turn to be savages, the parachute floats off into the distance. It's works done sort of thing. Another thing that I got was um, a Dr. Jack Mr. Hyde business. Because one of the things about uh, Dr. And Mr. Hyde is that D- Dr. Hyde sort of frees himself from sort of the restraints of, of society and becomes this sort of monster. And because of that, he's kind of in a weird way living more. And that's what you got from Corey. As he turned to the darkness, you could see his life sort of like him as a person was becoming more confident. You know, he wasn't wearing glasses anymore, which is kind of like, sort of, again, very heavy on the nose. was was riding a motorbike instead of a cycle. He was becoming... He was almost like he was sort of growing and becoming cooler and more confident as a person. Poor Corey, throughout the film, whenever he tried to basically drink any chocolate milk, it always got taken away from him. That was a sort of little thing. Um. So, so yeah, I, I, I thought they we were sort of like, you know, they, they for me, they tried to do something different. But, you know, we tried to tell a different story more than Michael Myers is back and is going on a rampage. And I think that I think that's pissed off a lot of fans. If true be known, just wanted to see Michael Myers come back and go on on the killing street. I don't think they we're ready for sort of like, you know, the slow build. And when it actually got to the killings, I actually think it was sort of really, really entertaining. I mean, I, I, I'm not one of those like horror fans who looks forward to the, the killings. The exception being the final destination movies, because they those are so over the top and so funny and well done. But here, I I I also to like, you know, even if it's bad characters, I kind of sort of like, you know, siren I don't want people getting killed. But here, all the people that were um, that were slaughtered were such arseholes. You know, they they were all basically, all of them were basically asking for it. But the, the bullies getting theirs, that, you know, that raid obnoxious radio DJ. The doctor and he his bimbo, that he was, uh, you know, gave the um, promotion to uh, you know, everyone. There was kind of sort of like a dark pleasure in seeing them get theirs, and and of course we see sort of we, we see Michael at, at the end. We, we you know because it, it's funny. I think it if it had been really really brave, they wouldn't have had Michael at the end but they've just had Corey as the main villain and sort of ended it with, with her and, and Laurie seeming to have sort of killed him in front of the, um his, the, the granddaughter. But it was almost like we we really, really dare not have, not have a Laurie versus Michael fight at the end of this film, <laughs> you know, but we've really got, you know, but so, so, so we got that and it was entertaining and it was, you know, violent and everything. So, I, I, I personally, and, and I realise that I'm sort of alone in this, I personally was real surprised by this. I think we tried to do something different, and, and I I really, really liked it, I've got, I've got to say. I just think that they could maybe have been a little bit braver in the end, but, you know, it, it is called Halloween Ends, and we did get a, a conclusion for now. So, yeah, personally, I, I enjoyed it.
0: Good stuff. And certainly different to what most of the reviews I've read are. So, yeah, that's good. What about you, Phil?
3: Uh, I kind of agree with Darren. I, I didn't like it that much, but I do agree with it, what Darren was saying about their trying to do something different, and I, I and I liked that. I didn't necessarily like the execution, but I liked the effort, if you see what I mean. So, for a great amount of the running time, it's actually kind of a character exploration with the occasional moment of brutality, it kind of ignores who you'd expect to be the two main characters. So you've got Corey and the the granddaughter of the two main characters with kind of Michael Myers and Laurie as bookends, really. And and I think that's that's the thing that people haven't liked. But, you know, if you just do the same thing over and over, it's silly, right? You've got to try something different. And that's, I liked that they tried something different. And if you are a fan, of all the gore and the brutal killings and, you know, all that sort of stuff. They absolutely deliver that in the last 20 minutes. It's, you know, it's proper, full-on, brutal stuff. Thought that this was light years better than Halloween Kills. I really hated that. And Darren's already mentioned this. This does a far better job of that exploration of how evil impacts people, how it kind of grows and develops, all that sort of stuff. And we talked about it. It doesn't feel that long ago that we reviewed Halloween Kills. And we talked about it a bit then, about what they were trying to do, but it was awful. And I think they're trying to do that here, and they did a better job. I didn't think it worked all the time. I agree with Darren about, you know, they could have been braver. The ending kind of goes back to form. But overall, my impression of the trilogy as a whole is just kind of, so what? I didn't think any of the films were scary. You know, The focus was on reverent homage to what's gone before and the explorations of the meaning of evil. The, the films have certainly delivered on brutal deaths. But I just, I can't see myself ever wanting to watch them again. The first one was okay. The second one was awful. I thought this one was interesting. Gold star for effort.
0: Okay. Do you think, and I'll throw this at Darren as well, that there have been references throughout all these three films to Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Clearly the, the most overt thing was in... Uh, Halloween kills when the kids were wearing the masks, the three masks from uh, *Season of the Witch*. But there was a reference here to a, a company involved, the Silver Shamrock Company. So, so, yeah.
3: so I, I read an entire article that explained how this Halloween trilogy actually just is a retread of the themes of their counterpart number of the original okay. series. So in that regard, then, yes, this would be Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. And Halloween 3 Season of the Witch was a big departure you know, in itself. And this is a big departure if, you know, in terms of main characters. I'm not saying that I totally bought the article, but I think that, generally speaking, all three of these films have paid huge homage to the whole series and everything that's gone before.
0: Yeah, but interesting that they pick on... You know, there are references to to Season of the Witch. And I remember when it came out in 83, it was pilloried. And, you know, it's difficult to try and get to see it in the cinema. Um, but it's built this reputation over time. Uh, I wasn't allowed
3: to see it in the cinema. Uh,
0: no, thanks. Thanks for that, Phil. Darren, what are your thoughts on Halloween 3 Season of the Witch?
4: I really like Halloween Season of the Witch. And uh, I think I'd seen it when I was at school because I remember... In computer, uh, this is a really weird one. In in computer class at school, I remember one day where me and these other two lads were looking into the blank screen and we could just see our faces. And we started recreating the little song that that, do, 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 one more day to Halloween. And we started because we could just see our faces, we were doing that. And that was at at computer class at school. So I think I'd seen it on TV or, or something. So, and I, th- I think may- maybe they're sort of like referencing the season of the witch, because it was sort of the one that sticks out because it wasn't a Michael Myers movie. It was something completely different. It has got like it sort of cult following since there. So those, you know, you, there's only so many Michael Myers, um, Halloween films references. You can, you can stick in there, but the, the, um, the stuff from uh season of the witch that when you do that in there, that stands out. And of course, People then will start speculating, well, is this a shared universe and everything? And did that actually happen in this version of Halloween? So um so yeah, I think that's you know but I, I understand what you know why they've put those in. I think it's just a nice little uh, selection of Easter eggs for um for fans there. There was something I was gonna say and I've it's completely gone out of my mind, but never mind.
0: If you think of it, throwback throw back in the meantime yeah. we'll go to um Graham's glowing review.
1: Well,
3: Graham, Graham watched this. What?
1: Yeah, I did. I did. I've watched all the Halloween ones. Mm-hmm. My thoughts on this film were reflected by Ian Dury. What a waste. If the first one, Halloween 2018, was a real return to form. Uh, and had a great, great ending. The second film was a waste of time for the actors and me. And this one started so well. I mean, the first 20 minutes were fun. I mean, I was wearing my safety brown corduroys, (laughs) uh, and the dummy was so well executed from that brilliant opening. This one took a real nosedive. It was a real slog through the rest of the film. It's a lot better than Halloween Kills, but that's a very low bar. I'd hoped for, I think I'd hoped for a lot more. I'd hoped that they'd return to the, the very, very well shot, very cleverly done the original halloween but it never seemed to go with that i mean i i hoped for far more from this film and the additional of Corey cunningham character and the love interest with laurie strode's granddaughter was good and but then he becomes the young apprentice and it's not enough to pull this movie up to to the level and the, the the bullies get their get beaten up and all of that sort of thing yeah. and but Corey Cunningham's turn to the dark side it was much faster and, and just as nonsensical as Anakin Skywalker's it had its moments it was good I enjoyed it I mean pinning Michael to the kitchen table was fun but I really feel it needed to be a bit more I Have some I just had something missing uh and I don't think it's worthy of having the iconic Halloween name attached to it. I mean, the last girl trope was finally played out, and she re- rediscovered her romance with Deputy Hawkins. I enjoyed all of that stuff, but I just, uh, just felt a bit flat. Maybe I got too invested in the start, and nothing really matched that. But hey, there you go, Darren. Have you remembered what you were going to say? Yes,
4: I have. <laughs> yes, I have. Okay, so Halloween. That's all right. So on Halloween night, I was trying to figure out how to basically celebrate Halloween um, on my own with my movies. And so what I decided to do, I watched the original Halloween and the, as a double bill with the, um, the now sequel, um, Halloween, is it 2018? That that version, the best with the first one in the trilogy. So I watched them both back to back. And I have to say it worked really, really well. And I thought it might be quite jarring, but I, like but one of the things that I, I, I noticed more was the sort of things in in the um in the newer Halloween that built off the the original were sort of like you know the little similarities and the sort of like the recreations of, of quite a, you know a few things. So I, I would um I would say sometime that the um you know watching those two films back to back is a really rewarding experience. Also, something I never realised um, when I watched The New Halloween is uh, there's a scene where the couple from Halloween Kills who are doing the fancy dress, dressed as uh, doctors and nurses, you actually see them in in, in that house, which I never noticed before. They actually, um, when, when Myers is going around stalking people, you actually see them going out, getting into their car to be set off for the night. So I just thought that was quite interesting.
0: Actually, yeah, I'll look out for that next time I watch it. Nicely spotted. Like what everybody said before me, other than Misery Graham. I credit credit to the filmmakers for trying to be different in their approach here. As it says on the tin, Halloween ends. He does the David Gordon Green does deliver a definitive ending. But ultimately, it ends up being different in the way that Liz Trust delivering a budget. You know, it's not (laughs) successful. Um, but I would say, and again I'll go back to, to what everybody said. It has the best opening of any of the films in this trilogy. This prologue is a small gem of a movie because, like Darren said, you're constantly awaiting for Michael Myers to appear. And then the rug's pulled out from under you. I thought that was clever. But after that, that's when the problems start. And again, you've all said it's a transition of evil story from Michael to Corey. However, Rowan Campbell, he's not up to the job. I understand that this is a callback to Arnie Cunningham, as played by Keith Gordon in John Carpenter's movie of Christine. Yes, they both have the surname of Cunningham, nicely spotted. But he doesn't generate any of the sympathy that Gordon brought out when he did the role, when he transitioned from wimp to evil killer. I just didn't like Campbell and his portrayal of it. I just had no sympathy. Let's have a look at that transition of evil. And I think, Graham, you said it, there was something missing. And for me, what was missing is when it relegated Michael Myers to a supporting role, no attempt to answer the big question, what is it about Michael that, you know, why is he like this? Now, if you go back to the original film, the twist there, and Pleasance tips you off to this quite early in the film, that Michael had essentially gone. He was no longer human. It was something else. And you'd have thought, after all this time, they might actually address what that is. But it's given no substance at all. So it makes Halloween ends by the time you get to it. And as good as it is, and there are there's a lot in this to recommend, particularly the last 20 minutes, as well as the prologue. But it doesn't come to any form of resolution in terms of what has driven Michael. And I think that's the reason why many fans were disappointed with the film. As I said, it ends well. But one final point I want to make on all of this. It's called Halloween Ends, emphasis on the word Halloween. But other than the decoration around Laurie Stroud, Jamie Lee Curtis's house, you see no signs that this is Halloween. It's like it's done on a low budget. You know, you you see no decorations, no trick or treat, there's no nothing. I mean, that's crazy. They're
1: all dead.
3: Didn't they go to... The bar they go to was a Halloween themed party at that pub, wasn't it?
0: That was in Halloween Kells, wasn't it?
3: No, in this in this one, Is um corrie and um Lori's to go to,
0: wasn't that the day before Halloween?
3: They're still dressed up in Halloween costumes oh. and went to a party. Okay. <laughs> okay. <Thank laughs> I mean I fair, but fair enough, other than that, yeah, no, I you're probably right. I don't don't recall it being anywhere else.
0: Go, and i want to go back to what darren said on halloween he watched the original halloween and the 2018 halloween and i think and they kept with that film because that film does have a definitive ending although they reworked it obviously that michael lived but those two films together i think uh are what are the best of what the series had to offer we just didn't need to go as far as this film did i think anyway
4: can I just bring something up? Something that you mentioned. You mentioned that we we never find out about um, what it was that drove Michael to to do all this. It's because i just remember when when I was a student in my um in, in my exam for um for film studies, I I actually wrote about uh, one of the questions it was to do with Halloween, the original Halloween, and I remember writing about it. And I can't remember every, every point that I made, but. I think what one of the general because you, you say we never find out what what happens with um what, you know what was that drives him. We as an audience, we're clued in a little bit to more than the other, any of the other characters because the the other characters never never know actually what dro- what drove um uh Mike mice to to basically kill his uh, his sister. But we as an audience, we actually saw at the start things through his highs and the clothes are kind of there, which, whichever way you want to interpret it. Because he sees his sister um, having sex with somebody. The implication that you sort of can read into that is that something then triggered him to kill her. And because he's the only, because he basically never spoke about that, nobody else in that world knows actually what he saw and what drove drove him to do that. And so there's sort of clues and implications, whichever way you want to make it, but something sort of, by him seeing his sister sort of murdered, but either something he was witnessing, something his his mind couldn't comprehend, or there was some sort of darkness that triggered, or it was just that he was freaked out that he was being exposed to, um, you know, sex, you know, before his mind could cope with it. But that's something that, you know, the clues, I believe, whichever way you want to interpret it, in that little scene, are, are there we can have we can sort of interpret possibly what actually drove him just from that little scene? If any of that okay. makes
0: sense, no, that's uh, a fair assessment, yeah, it does. I might go back and have a look at that later and uh, just reassess that. Thank you for that. So, as we know, Neil didn't watch this one either. I nominated probably, Graham to watch it, yeah, probably too many Thank women Graham. warriors in it. Um, but <laughs> let's, let's quick let's quick. Let's, Let's quickly go over to Kelly for the final word on Halloween Ends Kelly, what do you think of Halloween Ends?
5: I was quite disappointed with it I didn't think it was going to go the way it did I had absolutely no clue it was going to go like that I thought the trailer was very misleading because it looked like it was going to be a total Michael Myers and Laurie Strode showdown but it didn't end up that way it was very different to what I was expecting and I think a lot of other people feel the same way there are people that really do like it and I totally respect their opinions but personally mine is I just didn't really feel like the finale wrapped up too well some positives that I did really like were the score Obviously, John Carpenter and his son, Cody, they work together on that. And as always, throughout the three films, they've been absolutely amazing. The opening credits were also really good. We always get the traditional pumpkin opening. But when it comes down to it, what they actually did just didn't work for me.
0: A lot of people really do love it. What would you have liked to have seen Halloween Ends be?
5: Ideally, I don't think that a 90-minute cat-and-mouse chase of Laurie and Michael would have been good, like it did indicate in the trailer, because that would have just been really boring. But what they did put into the story, I just don't think it really fit. I think they could have done that in one of the previous films, maybe the 2018 one or Kills, Or just left it out completely and done something different. But it is what it is. We've got it. And that's it. I don't know if there will be another where they completely change the storyline again. I reckon after a few years they will probably do that. Because it's Michael Myers. People love Halloween. So they'll probably do another timeline. It won't be John Carpenter or Rob Zombie or David Gordon Green. It will be somebody else that takes on the rights and we'll get another version of Michael Myers, wherever that goes. Thanks, Kelly. And now over to
4: Darren. OK, so we've done all the reviews. What has everyone selected for their film of the month? Neil? The
2: Banshees of Inner Shiren, surprisingly.
1: OK. Graham? Ooh, I'm going to be controversial and go for The Banshees
4: of Inner <laughs> And I've not asked you yet, mm-hmm. Jeff.
1: Well, thank you for asking, Darren. That <laughs> um, was that was premature ejaculation. <laughs>
0: Very good, delirious. Yeah. Um, well, I, I shall follow suit and also go for the Banshees of Inishiran.
4: Okay, um, me, myself, I'm going to go for the Banshees of Inishiran. Um, film. <laughs> <Phil. laughs> What have you gone for?
3: Uh, when was the last time we had a clean sweep? Oh, yeah. I don't think we've
4: ever had one. No, we've and, never had one. And
3: she's a Sheeran.
1: Yeah, wow. well, it's that sort of film. It's that good. Yeah. So, gentlemen, I can finally announce that's a wrap and another at the Flicks is in the can.
0: And that's our final review show of the year completed.
1: Next month, we'll tell you what we thought the best movies of the year have been.
2: And we have a few special guests to tell us their favourites.
3: You're not asking my MP
2: Cruella de Bray for her top tips, are you? Now we've already hinted that her favourite movie is Apocalypse now.
4: Also coming up soon is a Darren's Dash that we recorded way before the summer. Sorry for the delay on that one, but Graham left the tapes on the bus.
1: I wish it was that easy God dear Alan
4: and to everyone else
1: thanks for listening and goodbye